The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. I'm Jack Newman. I'm Trevor Flynn. I'm Sarah Becker. And I'm Ben Haworth. And welcome to the Movie Gang Podcast. As you can see... We're taking a break from Bond because there was actually a big new release that was supposed to come out in theaters, but thankfully it's a Netflix movie, so they could still just put it right on Netflix. Huzzah! Yay! <laughs> Yay Huzzah! Netflix. Yeah. Netflix doesn't care about theaters, so sorry, Spike Lee. It still comes out. Yeah. They're not delaying that shit. I'm, I'm not. I'm not exactly super excited about like some of the stuff that Netflix has been doing. We we're we just we're about to review B and A, and we're very we're still we're anime Netflix haters because they. That's just, the usual stuff, though. That's that's not new because of COVID or anything. That's just their right, usual right. cross cross specific strategy. Well, are they going goes. to are they going to actually still release this in theaters? Technically, that was my question. Spike Lee they, is they like we're doing a theatrical release. release. Yeah, they're yeah. supposed to release in theaters, especially because is Spike Lee. It's a big, you know, expensive. They're on this whole trout with doing big, expensive releases for auteurs. Yeah. Uh, you know, they had, you know, obviously Martin Scorsese and Soderbergh and others. Yeah. And, and they wanted us to have a, an Oscar push. So they thought they would have to release it in theaters because Oscars demanded that. But this year, the Oscars are like, ah, forget it. Yeah, <laughs> who gives a <laughs> shit? Gonna, yeah. We're not going to sort through that nonsense, so yeah, whatever's on this, this is This is the year that, like, I suspect that, like, you know, saying that theaters are not not having theaters are an option is going to die, unfortunately, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Christopher Nolan will just keep pushing Tenet back every two weeks. Is, is it fine now? Is it fine now? <laughs> like he just yeah, refuses to push it Unless back it's going to come out next year, he's going to lose a shitload of money. Yeah, he does not want that to happen. So, uh, we are talking about Da Five Bloods, the latest Spike Lee joint, and the first one he's done for Netflix. Uh, whether or not to continue, we'll see. But uh, uh, continuing this whole, like I said, Netflix trend of uh, funding auteur projects that probably wouldn't get made otherwise. Though, you know, coming off of an Oscar for Black Klansman certainly gets you some clout. Though, uh, Spike Lee... I feel like he usually gets clout, but also doesn't usually tend to make a lot of money, which is why Netflix is kind of right up his alley. Uh, unless you do like Inside Man, unless he does like a genre. So maybe this one could have done well. I don't know. All uh, right. So let me give a synopsis here. The synopsises are kind of weak, so I'm going to try my best to uh, uh, kind of, I don't know, jazz improv it as best I can. All right. So, four African-American vets, Paul, Otis, Eddie, and Melvin, return to Vietnam. They are searching for the remains of their fallen squad leaguer, Storm and Norman, and the promise of buried treasure, which they uh, basically found from a CIA plane and buried in the hopes of coming back one day to find it. And it seems like finally they have found where it could be. But along the way, they will face uh, villainous mobsters. They will face uh, angry locals, as well as their own uh, PTSD and experiences of the war. And in typical Spike Lee fashion, it's more than just a treasure hunt. It is uh, an exploration of race and particularly the effect uh, of black soldiers in Vietnam, as well as Trumpism and all kinds of wonderful if sometimes depressing, if sometimes fun and exciting chew daddy. Uh, it's a lot of movie. It's uh, two and a half hours. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot to talk about. So I'm very excited 
to get to it. So, but I want to start with Sarah because you told me before we started that this is your first Spike Lee film, and I I'm very curious as someone who has seen uh, no other Spike Lee films before. What was it like diving in because he is very much a unique director, and I was curious uh, how you approached this. Uh, I, th- this I work. thought I thought Sarah didn't you see Black Klansman? I did not. I well, that was uh, Jenna. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I did not mix up Jenna and Sarah. Okay. I'm just saying. I promise Jenna, I did Peter, not. Me and Complete coincidence. Maybe Trevor was on that? I forgot. I was yeah. on there, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did see it. Uh, yeah, yeah I, uh, I, I really enjoyed this movie. You mentioned to me about uh, earlier about Spike Lee having a very specific style, and I think I would need to see at least one more of his movies to be able to tell you mm. what that style is because, you know, obviously I have nothing to compare to. It's like, oh, this is a really cool movie. Could have been by, you know, any director because I don't know any better. I don't know what some of Spike Lee's things are, and I'm sure we'll get to that later on in this podcast. Um, but I love the story they had to tell, and I loved how they handled all the conflict between characters and, you know, characters with themselves and um, they talked a lot about they talked a lot about many really important issues, some of which are, you know, at the forefront of our minds right now. And that was good timing for them to release it now. Well, I also saw yeah. that they started filming only in like March. Yeah, it was, yeah. this is a really impressive to make such a big movie that quickly. To me, anyway, who knows nothing about the filmmaking process? Oh, you're, you're right. You're right. It is very impressive. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm glad you enjoyed it because I know Spike Lee can be divisive and this film is as divisive as all of his films are, except for, I think maybe like Black Klansman and, uh, but even, you know, when, uh, Do the Right Thing is most acclaimed and best film, uh, came out, uh, one critic famously said that, uh, he thought this would cause people to riot <laughs> and that it would, ca- and if it did, it was on him and, uh, it was a very infamous review. So he's always been a controversial mm-hmm. An interesting figure. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm curious where everyone else lands on it because I'm a big Spike Lee fan. And I wonder if perhaps coming from that, my expectations were too high uh, for this film because I did not particularly love it. Though I loved a lot about it, if that makes sense. In that, sure. to me, this one felt a lot more jumbled than Black Klansman, which uh, I have. Uh, when I, Trevor reminded me that when I saw it, I said this was kind of the accessible Spike Lee movie and now I think more it's like the very clean Spike Lee movie is kind of where I've come around to it where it's just a a very smart narrative that ends with such a dramatic intelligent gut punch and this one he's he's doing a lot more of the gut punches throughout it's not as kind of clean he's you know showing you real very intense violent images of Vietnam I've never found Spike Lee the historian by the way is incredible he finds Mm -hmm. these these clips I have never seen before. Netflix, please give this man a six-part <laughs> docu-series on anything. Seriously. Do you think Spike Lee would is interested in making a docu-series, though? I don't, I don't, think, I don't think I so. I don't know. But. He's made some documentaries, but usually they have... Hmm. Okay. Often they're performance-based or they have a purpose. Like it, A lot of people are talking right. about it now because he made a documentary on the Birmingham bombing from the 60s. And basically, like, said, hey, it's this guy, and he's not in jail. What the fuck? And then the FBI saw it, and they're like, yeah, 
We're gonna put him in jail. <laughs> yeah, like, that, that did happen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. So, like, I did not know bird. this. That is it's, that yeah, changes it's crazy. My entire conception of Spike Lee, knowing that. that yeah. Is, so uh, like, he, he he often either will chronicle someone he likes. Like he does a lot of concert docs. He's doing one on David Byrne, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. Um, but uh, usually he doesn't do like docs like this. And and you're right, Trevor. He, he kind of weaves the, the history into his narrative fiction. But part of me wants to see like Spike Lee's history of American cinema, which would be very <laughs> exciting and wild and controversial. And I would love it. But uh, yeah, uh, Jack, uh, what do you think of this film? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I am always torn on Spike Lee because I think that while Spike, everything that Spike Lee generally talks about, I find to be important and I enjoy like the constructions and points he brings up. And I think that like, I don't, to be honest, I don't find Spike Lee super controversial. <laughs> like, I mean, it's fun. Yeah. Like, I, I don't like I, I know that I, I agree with you because like Spike Lee is one of the oldest, like most popular African-American directors. So like, yeah, back in the day when he was first coming around, everybody was like so controversial. And I'm like, is it? He's outlived his controversialness. Like, like, yeah, so I was many. like, is he controversial? Well, like, he's got really? a lot of renewed importance, you know. Exactly. It, it, it does. And, and that's important. But I, I, I think that one of the, the torn elements here is that I'm I'm not particularly like a fan of his style of film. <laughs> like it's I've never been super into it. I like I like like he has a. I think one of the things I do like about him is that he has his own distinct style. Like there is the Spike Lee style and yeah. I and it's never been my thing in terms of cinema. I've always like. You know, he is kind of in the style realm of like kind of Quentin Tarantino. Sometimes I, I don't necessarily think that a, a comparison between them is like necessarily helpful. I think it, I think it's hurtful to kind of like because Spike Lee is a little bit more based in reality than Tarantino. And I think that there's well, he kind comes of this, from like, like that whole film store era where right. like all those directors watch yeah, shitloads yeah, yeah, yeah. of movie. And I include PTA and, and yeah. Tarantino. I, and ir- ironically. Ironically, what's the what's the guy that's terrible? Uh, not he's not terrible, but he's Silent Bob. Uh, oh, that Smith. Era. Kevin, Kevin yes. yeah, also Smith. Part of yeah, who does not deserve to be wrapped up in the two that rose above them, which is Tarantino and Spike Lee, that <laughs> rose above that time period, and he's the other half of that. And I think that like that's the thing is like I have a, a like I accept Quentin Tarantino because I think he's gone in a different direction versus Spike Lee is still of that period. His filmmaking, rightfully so, hasn't changed, and it makes it. I think it pulls I think it works really particularly well with his narratives I have no compliments I have no compliments against it nor hate for it because I think that it complements its own existing style well I've just never been like super into it especially considering like yeah considering like some of the rise of new directors and some like things like you know how much I expect out of like auteurism like I really enjoy directors with strong styles it's just never been something that I've been super super into like like I, and, and, and I agree that it works like like the ending shot of Black Klansman is awesome <laughs> like like him just Bro. like tracking down the hallway towards the thing at the end I was like oh which this, is this a signature is- thing is the do- do- is it a double yep. dolly or a dolly shot that's it's a double dolly they're on a dolly and he's on a dolly yeah, mm. the kind of and I believe there's some camera. racking in there as well. Like the focus is racking, just not in focus, but the the uh, the actual uh, telephoto is racking just as slightly. Uh, yeah. So I think it's it works. It works. He's he's got. It is beautiful. I don't know what it means in that movie when they see it necessarily, like emotionally, but it 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 hits me. I don't know exactly what that that effect on that ending is is saying of them doing that that dolly zoom effect, but. It is effective transitioning somehow 
for me into the and, and that, real and live news event be, coverage. This might come into the this might come into a, a difference. It's like you know maybe this movie. One of the things I do like about watching these movies, it's, it's similar to like certain anime. Like I I enjoy watching it because I can tell the audience is not like intended for me, and I'm I don't always think that I'm the intended audience for a Spike Lee movie. Uh, and I I enjoy that sometimes. It's like there's nothing like there's nothing like getting on an anime and suddenly like you know you kind of you, it's really easy to identify with an anime protagonist as being somehow internally white and then you get this weird moment when like actual white people show up and they're animated horrifically <laughs> like they animated with giant foot long noses and like huge lips and everything it's like whoa like and it's just like it's, it's like oh that's what you think of me perfect uh, I, 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 I like that moment that uh, uh, assassination classroom has an amazing moment like that where they go to space and run into American astronauts and oh I like, love every <laughs> Japanese characterization of Americans absolutely yeah, it's, it, yeah. it, it's, it's amazing it's <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I am torn on this movie. I think this is one of I, I like this Spike Lee movie a lot. A Black Klansman's better, but this is this is great. I, I think a big thing for Lee that's interesting he's doing now, particularly his last three films. Chirac is more like um, an original Spike Lee idea, but it's still you know based on a famous Lysistrata, the Greek play. Lysistrata, yeah. yeah. Um, set in Chicago instead. Um, and Black Klansman's based on a, a nonfiction novel. And from what I understand, this was like, and this one feels the most like where I can just tell the Spike Lee kind of came and added his Spike Lee shine yeah. <laughs> to this one because this was very clearly a basic-ass, regular, run-of-the-mill Hollywood script he found. You know, Vietnam vets go back to get gold and they fight the locals along the way. I don't think anything involving Delroy Lindo's character was that well adapted in the original. I doubt any of like the definitely none of the Trump stuff was. And I don't think any of the, you know, interesting history lessons and everything was. And so because of that, I can just kind of tell that there's a not that interesting main plot that's holding together a lot more interesting Spike Lee didactism. It's like if you and took all the Spike Lee out of this, it's like it's kind of like the bucket list. Yeah, like a little bit. it's like yeah. a, it's like a, like a much different like. And I'm not saying that it's <laughs> why because they're old. What? Sorry, go on, no, go on, go on. I want to hear it's, this. I'm sorry. It's Apocalypse Now like, meets Las Vegas. <laughs> it, it, it does. Yeah, I think the old thing is like a specific thing, but I can see this being like a, kind of a mid level, maybe with a little bit upper level Hollywood script that's then been taken by an auteur and elevated. I agree with Ben. The bones of what is still there is clearly like not like like beginning to end like Black Klansman is a construction towards the point of the movie. And that's why the movie has that weird like ending because it's, you know, the shit's still going on, you assholes. Like that's yeah. that's the that's that's like that's that's a movie that's constructed to get you to that point versus yeah. this. Are we saying that like Hollywood script construction of this is at odds with Spike Lee's polemical style? Yeah. Yeah. Is that what we're saying? That's a great way to put it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, you, that's exactly what my, what I was coming up against because I like it's way less loaded than calling it like the bucket list. <laughs> and that's where I came to like, I just wanted to watch the Spike Lee docuseries. That's where I came out where it's like, I want to see Spike Lee's history of the <laughs> Vietnam War and just like 
talk to me for six hours yeah. and not pretend that there's a story. <laughs> I mean, know? this this is a great history lesson. I appreciate this as a history lesson more than I appreciate this as a movie is, exactly. is basically my take, you know, and, and what position am I am I in possibly as a white guy to be like, oh, yeah, I need to know this information. This isn't things that I was taught in school. These are things I need to learn. I'm appreciating that all of this is coming at me right now in and, this and like in your is- face style. And I get that. I get the importance of it. I get the like in your face style that Spike Lee has to just fucking show you the image right. of the like child that was whose jaw is like horrifically broken for by an American GI for like a, a full four seconds. That doesn't bother me that but that is more effective to me in that moment and just talking about general Vietnam history or like. Yeah. Or, or, or all of them having the split screen where they hear about the assassination of Dr. King than the Dr. King segment at the end of the movie is as a punctuation, uh, yeah. for instance. That felt a little tacked on, for sure. Yeah. It's a very good speech. I hadn't seen that particular speech before. Yeah. Again, finds the very interesting stuff, but then like adding, like, he was killed a year later. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I never <laughs> exactly, forget that. Right? But, um, <laughs> but I, I agree, and, and I think... But then the problem for me and why I find it difficult is sometimes I don't want to be like a part of me is like, okay, I just want to spike this history lesson. But then you get like great stuff at Delroy Lindo and it mm-hmm. the the sequence where Delroy Lindo is speaking right to the camera, his whole you can't kill Paul uh monologue is one of my all time favorite Spike Lee scenes. It's it's just great, so but it's too long. There's too much of it. This movie is too long. <laughs> There's a better edit of this. It feels indulgent. It is too long. And that's, that's, I, like, I still enjoyed that one particular scene a lot. And I was fine with it. Well, like, it wasn't one particular overall. scene. There's like three of them. That's, that's my criticism. It's like you could have cut some of this, is my, <laughs> my, my take you on it. You do get this. a lot of Sorry. Delroy Lindo going crazy in the. But he is great. I mean, th- no one is going to disagree that this is like his, like a wonderful performance by him. I totally, totally. I'm very glad acting. that everybody is just like, Where's Delroy Lindo been? This is great. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm on IMDb right now. Like, where the fuck? (laughs) A lot of TV, basically, from what I understand. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's (laughs) it's tough because it's like he's doing a lot. And this is, I think, the thing. It is, uh, I remember I had a friend who had a a play that was put on and actually got reviewed. And the reviewer said it was smart but overstuffed. And he kept mentioning that to me. And I was like, yeah, you know, I think it's better to be overstuffed than understuffed. <laughs> you know, at least that means you have a lot of ideas than no ideas. I think this is the definition of a film that is overstuffed. And I think your approach to the subject matter and your approach to the filmmaking is going to speak a lot to how you appreciate it. And Yeah, as a Spike Lee fan, would you agree with David Sims' assertion that this is his most ambitious film? <laughs> I wouldn't. I think it either yeah I mean Malcolm I, X is whoa, super ambitious but this is like I get Netflix money I get to do whatever I want it, it definitely has oh yeah, yeah I, it's I, very I much a blank check yeah yeah mm-hmm. it, it, they, I still they, think Malcolm like literally Malcolm X 
it came from a lot of fighting too. But Malcolm X, he literally convinced the studio to fire a white director because he's like, a white director should not be making a Malcolm X movie. You need to give this to me. I'm the only person who can do it. And he made a three-hour movie where he doesn't become Malcolm X for an hour and a half. Like it is. Well, that's like one more reason I need to go and fucking watch Malcolm X because it is it's on Netflix. So good. <laughs> it, it is. It it's is. It's definitely it's, a second it's, best film. It it's is, much yeah. better. And I'm gonna say this, and I don't know if this is like a. a and that's I a feel weird comparing these to be sometimes because I think a lot of them have value in and of themselves, and I think this movie has value in and of itself outside of the Spike Lee canon because you're comparing it to some of the better movies. Because you should go see this right now. So our, my score will be al- yeah. alleviated by that. But I think the point is Malcolm X is much better movie than this and I think that's one of the things too the only way I would consider saying this is like elevated or anything in terms of the Spike Lee canon is to say that yeah this movie is the movie is the Spike Lee movie with the most money which is great because he can get money now mm. but I'm still I'm still I, I think that I think I think we're right I think we're hitting on the bones of like a non put like you know it's him grabbing other material and bringing it over and the bones of that material is still secretly there inside I mean narratively like I, I I'm gonna score this probably on the lower side it sounds like because narratively uh this is chaos to me and i appreciate a tight script and subtlety and so the spike lee style is always is already at odds with what i'm gonna score that's where i'm gonna say it too that's like as a filmmaker i appreciate and understand that there is you can have more chaos based narratives because he's good at chaos based narratives it's it's part of chaos based narrative sounds like you're invoking like fucking what's his name eraser head where it's like real life doesn't make sense therefore this doesn't make sense it's more just the unorganization of it all exactly it's not back to the future it's that's that's like, I don't wanna, like that sounds terrible because this is probably a boring. Important well, that's putting movie. you in a box where it sounds like you never watch art house films, and Spike Lee is that's like not, it's not about you know, the not mainstream. The point. Look, look, let me let me talk here. Come on. The point I'm Sorry. saying is that Back to the Future is a tight script, and it has like events. A, event A falls on event B. I'm not saying anything else about Back to the Future specifically, except that it's the one I go to when I'm talking about the fact that scripts have like a have a good movie continuity, and there's no there's no like you know. There's no excess to the film. This movie intentionally has excess around the sides, and that's how he makes movies. I've never been a huge fan of that style, even though I recognize it is a style. It is good, and you should watch it. Like that's that's I, that's the only thing I'm going to say. It's not a criticism. It's just it, you know there is like a lot of like you know it. It, the construction is designed in a way to shock you and Spike Lee enjoys shocking you with the construction of his films. That's the point. That's why Black Klansman ends with that weird feeling because it wants to give you that weird feeling, but it does not work into a classical film structure or narrative. So he intentionally with the structure of the film will will make you feel awkward. Like he, he denies film rules to make you feel awkward and make you feel outside of it, which is also kind of ties. I think a lot of times in his narratives about like, black lives in America like that's yeah. the whole point like he's he makes the person viewing the film feel like an outsider and that's the point and it's, it's like the subject material is so inherently subversive because it's stories b- that haven't been told that therefore like the narrative has to be subversive and deny expectations exactly. like yeah. no criticism it's just like you mm-hmm. know criticizing his style is just you know criticizing like the plight of black people that's not exactly something I want to get into because well it's like I've heard we don't need no stinking badges so many times already mm-hmm. as a joke that I don't even know what movie it's from but I appreciate the fact that Spike Lee hasn't got to make that joke yet so even though yeah. I 
I'm tired of it. And I'm like, really? <laughs> we don't need no stinking bed. I, you know, I, I get that he hasn't made this joke yet, you know? So I, I get that. Yeah. I think I see what you're saying. Um, that's the epitome of it for me. Um, uh, yeah. The aspect so, ratio changes are really fucking cool. Yeah. yeah what do you guys think of the way they do awesome. the, the past, particularly with the aspect ratio changes and the kind of interesting choice to have the old actors play themselves, uh, in the flashbacks. Uh, I know a lot of people have found that kind of off putting, but I thought it was an interesting. Artistic oh, I liked choice it. To do I didn't find that of off putting at all. I barely, I, even I, felt, it. I felt like if you had done something different, the narrative would have been so hard to follow. I, you, I, they needed to do that. Like to be, to be honest, like they were already pushing some of the narrative elements here. So like if, if it wasn't the same actors and I had to like make connections between old, like it was difficult. It was at times difficult to do it when we were watching the two it movies. And I think that's exactly the example I want to hold up and being like, yeah. I, I want it to be one person. <laughs> like it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> like I just I wanted to be one person and I want to be able to follow that person's arc. So I, I completely stand by that choice. I think that especially in a movie like this, like you would have gotten fucking lost. How about you, Sarah? Would you find that work? Yes, I thought it was fine. I, I don't have much more interesting input on, on that. <laughs> no, I'm just glad we're all in agreement because. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a weird yeah. choice. Fuck the people who said that. Yeah, I was just <laughs> yeah, just fine. Don't Irishman them. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd like to yeah, too really. because I think I think it makes this really cool dichotomy that Chadwick Boseman never ages. I think that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though it is hilarious. Well, because he's such a godlike figure, it makes sense. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's Black Panther, and that's the the ideal behind the casting, that he's this larger-than-life thing. He's played all these other inspirational figures from history as well as Black Panther. Well, that's that exactly what Spike beyond, Lee said. He's like, yeah. he's mm-hmm. Black Panther, he's Jackie Robinson, he's right. Thurgood Marshall. He's like played all these famous black figures, so he kind of is, for black audiences today, like there kind of like Denzel Washington was like in his heyday like he was <laughs> I all still famous I still love that time, mean you know? that mean tweet segment where like how did you end up with the name Chadwick like, I love <laughs> he's that right was, he's like the was, most handsome man and it's so funny too because like he's he even though he is 40 and I need to remind people that he he's is not 40. 40. I hate Fuck it when you bring this up. He's not 40. I hate it when you bring this up. It makes me feel so old every time. Yeah. He he's looks 23. It's just oh, fine. Fuck me, mate. I look like I hammered shit at 30. What the fuck? I know. I know. There's a guy on the new 90 Day Fiance. He's a gay guy. And, oh and me and Kel were watching. And this guy, he's like, He's like, yeah, you know, I'm 57. This guy, I swear to God, looks 32. And me and Kel are like, what the fuck? That's so rude. Yeah, <laughs> there's that, have you seen the pictures of like that 70 year old grandmother who looks like like 25? It's like <laughs> 10 hours of sleep every night and lotion every morning yeah, and evening. I guess I don't want to. I don't want to be sticky all the time. Rob Lowe just came out and said that he started a skincare line. I'm buying it. I mean, he's Rob Lowe. That man is not aged. He knows what's up. I didn't yeah, know his Parks said, and Rec character was like close to real life. Uh, that's, right. And I heard him in an interview and apparently when he was 15, he went on a date with, uh, um, oh, his name is forgetting me. Cary Grant, Cary Grant's daughter. And he didn't know it's Cary Grant's daughter. So he came out to their house and he was showed up like, hello. And so when he left, apparently Cary Grant ran out after him and was like, Hey, you're in the movies, right? You need skin cream. <laughs> Trust me. It <laughs> works. And he's like, well, if Cary Grant says it works, all right, <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> So there you go. Always listen to Cary Grant. Um, but but to go back to it, yes, I, I think the fact that he is, like Trevor says, like a, a very 
famous figure now in, in pop culture as well as the fact that he's ageless and there's that really beautiful scene with Paul and his ghost kind of forgiving him. I think I there is a lot scene. that works really, really well about that dichotomy. Um, so I thought it was a great artistic choice for that reason. The fact that they're old and kind of remembering these things and can't even view themselves in their old young bodies is kind of how I viewed it too. It's just mm-hmm. so ancient that they can only kind of view themselves as the ages they are now. And like, and I think that's often the case when I think of myself as a teenager, I don't really see young me. And when I look at pictures of young me, I'm like, who's that? Who is right? that person? Oh, I remember what young look- me looked like. It was me with more hair. I'll never forget that person. <laughs> you had me with a lot less hair pounds, on so, your yeah. head, but you had no hair on that your face. That person haunts me. Are you kidding? <laughs> you did, yeah, you just moved it. You moved it from top to it's bottom. It's true. It went from- <laughs> see, you became a better Star Trek season, Trevor. It's fine. <laughs> he grew the beard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. I get that. I know that. I yes. <laughs> you you progressed from season one to season two. Uh, anytime I can even get tangentially compared to Jonathan Franks, that makes my day. So keep that up. <laughs> yeah, that's, like that's, that's fine. His ego needs yeah, that. Tre- Trevor, if you ever want to recreate that great Jonathan Franks ask you a question video, I would love that. The whole. <laughs> I haven't heard of this. Oh, so Jonathan Frakes hosted this show called Beyond Belief Factor Fiction, which was a masterpiece of early sci-fi channel. <laughs> and oh, no. He hosted in yes. a very Jonathan Frakes way. Uh, and a lot of people have gotten this. very into <laughs> editing clips of the show together. And there's this thing called Jonathan Frakes Asks Questions. And it's just like a 50 second long clip. And it's just like, have you ever written your name in wet cement? Do you ever work as a waiter? <laughs> it's just like all these random things. It's so And then funny. somebody took the video and like, slowed it down to half speed or something. Oh, he sounds drunk. Yeah. I just want to say I'm subscribing to this on y'all's recommendation alone. I need no more information than this. No, it's so good. If it's It's a channel, I'm in. And I love that show because it was always like so obvious because it would be like a lady said that she saw a glass move two inches and one guy met a demon and you're like, yeah, that one's fake. And they're like, yeah, it was. We got you. Yeah, yeah. the glass is probably real, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> one person's car wind. didn't start and he didn't go to the building that exploded. And I'm like, sure, that probably happened. I knew him first yeah. as the voice of Xanatos on Gargoyles. So that, right. that man that man oh has instant, instant access to my subconscious. God, That's just, just, that just Gar- Gar- that Gargoyles is like on Disney Plus. It is. Oh, it is. I'm enjoying a resurgence I've for that reason. It. I watched it. Yeah. I need to get back. And I, I have had nightmares where it gets a CGI remake directed by whoever the fuck, and I, it's oh, just yeah. the worst thing ever. I've literally had this yeah. nightmare. That's uh, yeah. That, I, I that's my that one concern happens. about watching it on Disney Plus is they'll be look at these numbers. We need to make yeah, a remake. Exactly. And you'd be like, <laughs> apparently Jordan Peele pitched a Gargoyles remake. Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele. That yeah. almost makes me interested, but yeah. except uh, I don't want to see a live action. I don't like. It's not Jordan Peele. I guess he would go. No, he furry would, he would, temptation yeah. alone. I just I mean, don't. I mean, if he if he if he did if he like did it animated or if he did like uh, if he he made him like really realistic costumes like. No, I'm still not into it. <laughs> I'm still thinking, like I'm still not into it. I, All right, I back, agree with you. All right, yeah, back, back to, to back to yes. right, very off. I, I, I think I wish I kind of went into this more like Sarah. <laughs> like I wish I went into this film not knowing Spike Lee and not seeing the trailer. I think yeah, the trailer probably did a lot of damage too because the trailer exactly. is very yeah. like 
art housey. It's acid trip music video. Yeah, it is. Trip. I was expecting and some of that psychedelic energy to come into the show, there and it wasn't does not. Any, and not it really. threw me off bad. I think it I really did for me too. And, and a good example of maybe don't watch the marketing when you just you know I'm gonna watch mm-hmm. the next Spike Lee movie. Why was I watching that trailer? I need to learn that lesson. Um, mm. and, and it is a case of I think I just wanted to come in and just be like no narrative or barely any, just like go full wild. And I feel like he is too tied down to this old script that he needs to just throw in the trash and just take the tiniest bones of, you know, like uh, similar to what uh, Paul Thomas Anderson did with oil, the book uh, where he took like one character name and one scene and then threw the rest in the trash, you know, like, I, I think adhering to the plot, whenever we went back to plot, I, I just was so like when John Renault came back, I was like, oh, well, I don't care. And then yeah. he got killed. And I was like, <laughs> and he puts the yeah. MAGA hat on and I'm like, all right, I'm watching a Frenchman wear a MAGA hat in a white suit. Am I supposed to know what this means? I don't know what this means. <laughs> <laughs> Does this mean something or is it just, yeah, everyone gets the MAGA hat and it's like the, the cursed object. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a big kind of plot hole problem. When you come to him talking, coming back to the plot, they give him his son, the in the case that I die, read this letter, as if they know that he dies when he goes off rambling psychotically into the jungle, like they've all accepted that he's just going to die. But they have no actual idea of when he suffers his fate by, like, machine gun. And well, that's I thought that was the an- reason that uh, DeRoche put on the MAGA hat in the first place to be like, see, I sent my guys to go kill your buddy and now I've got right, his that's hat and I'm going right, to kill And I was expecting that to have some payoff whenever he puts on the hat. But as far as yeah. I know, there's never any moment of recognition or like, you know, Mimnus, whatever the fuck it is in Greek tragedy. I don't remember the name, but like I, I never got that moment. So I'm like, do they even know? Did they process this? I uh, I don't know if they saw what I saw, processed what I processed as far as this guy getting shit fuck full of bullets. This is another thing where the violence in this is just kind of a disconnect for me um, with the landmines, the grenades. Uh, the I, violence is so set up. Enough. Well, yeah, no, no. I, I, I don't mean that it's hyper violent necessarily, but it is so set up. And so tonally confused for me that when, for instance, he gets shot full of machine guns, it's not impactful to me in terms of like tragedy because it is so over the top and so hyper real, like a Tarantino scene almost. When the guy takes the grenade in the stomach, it, it seems random out of nowhere for me, although it has been set up. But by far the most disconnect for me in terms of the violence and, like and the, the shockingness of it. Because it wasn't like super dramatic we didn't get yeah. Any, yeah. Like, cuts and stuff mm-hmm. it just kind of happened and he was dead all right i thought that was yeah a little more yeah you which had is, the opposite which reaction i accept totally that. how i want violence in vietnam to feel like like it just happens yeah. and you're like shit uh, but, well, I think but the rest of, of this movie didn't feel more. that that gritty to me to where that is still tonally an outlier to me to like for instance I, the landmine the, the scene one big- is so set up when he is backing up and backing up and backing up and I'm like alright where's the landmine we've reset we've also, set up somebody dying by landmine when is it gonna happen it's almost comical it is almost I, and, comical and the to thing me. is I, I don't blame um, Spike Lee for probably never seeing the movie Tropic Thunder but I could not get <laughs> yeah. my mind out right. of the scene where he has no arms and he has like just the, the, the like the jokery is like the shriveled You're hands right. and is trying to act because yeah. it's so clearly an actor sitting in a hole with mm-hmm. little stumps because like it was mm-hmm. it was too perfect. Like the stumps were all too perfect and the blood mm-hmm. was too perfect and it felt mm-hmm. a little like SNL sketch to yeah. me at a certain point and I was like, 
I think there could have been a much more disturbing way to show this. Yeah, but that's just a, a gore. So, it, but it's Tropic Thunder's thing. fault, not Spike Lee's. That's that's no, it's not Spike Lee's fault. I want to make that clear. <laughs> it's just my own brain where I know how the stuff uh, yeah. is done. And Tropic, if I know, I wish I could get there with done, you, but I yeah. still feel like it's his fault. I'm sorry. Tropic <laughs> Thunder is always one of those things where I'm like, wow, it really burrowed into our brains. As yeah, like part of the zeitgeist. Like mm-hmm. it was, it's like well, this movie should not like be as like. I just a watched Downing Jr. Is. on fucking the Joe Rogan experience talked about like you realize how insane this movie was right like you realize that we couldn't make this now or I guess you could but like holy fucking shit you thought like you'd be putting your career on the line no one would I have to agree that probably no one would fund it I I hate to do the whole we can't make this anymore but I can yeah I know I don't mean that as like socially conscious critique or whatever Downey Jr. probably wouldn't be in blackface I think the rest of the movie is very doable even though that was I think that is the evolution we've done where in 2008 it was like well we're making fun of the people putting blackface and now we're like let's just never do blackface face ever again let's just Why not even just, touch it let's just not even just, go there that's probably for the best. Laugh, yeah. probably yeah. wasn't worth past. it yeah. probably wasn't worth it yeah exactly um yeah i i want to say to trevor's point that like yeah. i think that like i probably disagree with it like a little bit like i, I in terms of violence in this piece i think that there is I, and this is my thing. I'm actually I'm I'm not disagreeing with your point. Let me do that. Let me put it in. What context. is my point? Your term. point about like the the, the the distortion between the violence and like how the violence is the violence isn't effective for me and it, right. it like yeah, because okay. it's it's too out of the blue and everything else, which yeah. I don't disagree with. I think that because I expect that kind of thing from Tarantino s crowd of Spike Lee, and I kind of expect the violence to pop at some point. Like the fact when it happens for me as like somebody who watches like probably more Spike Lee movies, like I'm like, yep, there it is. Like and it's not, and then I. Don't don't, it doesn't feel out of place for me. Mm-hmm. So I am recognizing that you may be like, not maybe, sorry, I'm not trying to. Yeah. Line, yeah. You're implying that I'm like less familiar with Spike Lee. Therefore no, I know I'm, less I'm what to expect. Right. That the outside viewer, maybe I'm biased by preexisting conditions of the movie. And that's like something that just happens when people watch it. Like you get like, it's like it's the same sort of thing. It happens all the time. Well, no, but it's very forecast. It's like experience. they set up the mine going off and killing somebody right. that, that was so repetitively. That's my point about that. I, I, to be honest, I kind of expected like half of them to die of mines. Like that was, that <laughs> well, was, they almost do. They almost I, do. I, yeah, and I appreciate how, how like socially you know it's yet another point in like the list of social issues that this film is illuminating is fucking minefields yeah, that are yeah, still yeah. out there and we, i appreciate we, that yeah but it, it is we yet another Vietnam. you know <laughs> it is yet another divergent theme that he is like packaging together all at once at this thing and uh, you know it loses me in terms of like Pick a lane, you know, there, and are, I, there are farmers <laughs> in Vietnam who still work fields filled with mines and they just know where they are. They walk around them every day. I, That's I really thing. appreciated that. He mentioned that. I think it is something mm-hmm. that when you have people to talk about, yeah. I often forget that, like, there are millions of landmines that are just sitting around in the world. And it is yeah. insane. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, thank God. Like, <laughs> this is this sounds terrible. <laughs> Thank God we have a war. We haven't had a war in the United States since landmines have been invented because like that's that would be Oof. the way to really fuck shit up. And yeah. probably yeah. what people would do. Yeah. yeah. So goddamn. Uh, I appreciate that. I didn't appreciate that. He it's tough. That's the one other thing where it's like, again, the, the, the problem with relying on the script is like clearly the script has just generic the old script. And again, I just make these assumptions. I don't know for sure, but I'm just kind of guessing that I'm guessing that the old script had these very generic 
faceless Vietnamese gangster. Oh yeah. Type. I think there's a, you can read the interview on the Atlantic. They did a whole piece on it. And I think, I, I think that, I think you're right about that. And they changed that specifically. And, and, and he, he does try to have some more characterization, but the problem is that it just mm-hmm. keeps coming back. And by the end, they are just generic thug types. And they still are, a, right? Like they don't need right, those badges. Who are they? We don't know. <laughs> they just have guns. <laughs> exactly. And it, it's the problem I think with, with relying on the script is I, I think he does generally want to talk about the Vietnamese experience to some mm-hmm. extent, but after they leave the city, it's, it's just, you know, generic person. Yeah. The stuff in the city is person. good though. The thing at the bar with the drinks they send over and that moment of tension, the fucking thing with the chicken causing triggering PS, uh, PTSD is like yeah. one of the most real moments mm-hmm. for me. That's, I enjoyed that performance of just the fucking chicken in this guy's face more than the whole going crazy in the jungle thing felt like indulgent and cliche I, I, to me. And I think that is a tougher scene to do because it is just like a building tension and they don't really cut a lot in that scene where he's just like, mm-hmm. get out of my face. Get, get it out of my face. Just, no like, means no in any language. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, Taylor yeah. Lindo is so good in this. And I really, really do hope he gets some some kind of awards contention at the end of the year. And I imagine he will. Yeah. But, uh, unfortunately, it's such a weird, stupid year. <laughs> Terrible <laughs> things happening. It might get lost. I, I do not. I do not know what the fuck the Oscars are going to look like next year, man. I, I, mean, I they're doing I, the I, Emmys I like over Zoom or something. It's going to be. What? Nuts. I yeah, I, I honestly don't know why you don't just put like one guy in a room and bring through like do a stream, guys. Like we don't even do Zoom calls for fucking we just have four or five people run production for stuff. It works so much better. Don't 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 do this. Don't do this, please. <sighs> why? Also, there's also like better like if you actually have money, there's better apps you can use than Zoom. Like there there is stuff out there. Just get that stuff right. Like don't. Sorry. OK, I'm, no, Rant for sure. Over. It is funny that so many people are still using Zoom for everything. And it's like, we, we have like people at my work where I'm like, you know, we have like better software, but all right, whatever. Uh, it de- it depends. Look, it depends. Like, I'll say this. If it's if it's WebEx, fuck you. Like, that's, that's like WebEx is is the fucking worst. Like, it's, can I bring up something else random off my list since we're getting on a tangent again? Uh, Hanoi Hannah learning about that shit. That was awesome, man. That whole yeah. sequence was very well done. That, that was, was like very Spike effective. Lee, yeah, Spike Lee's uh, American History Lesson at its finest. Where mm-hmm. like you're, you know, for those who don't know, Hannah Hannah was a real person. She was this radio DJ who worked for the Viet Cong and uh, gave basically these propaganda speeches and would play good music. That's why people would listen to her. <laughs> but she would like. <laughs> She was, cool, yeah. she was yeah, cool, man. She was kind of cool, but she was basically like, you know, and everyone made fun of her and just kind of like ignored her. But I think she kind of got to a couple people, you know. I think some people who were disillusioned over there kind of remembered her, you know, and she mm-hmm. definitely made a, a a stink about it. But they do this great thing where she's talking about like the assassination of Martin Luther King and all the riots that happened afterwards, and they show a lot of those riots and the footage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he always has dates, and he's very, you know. His footnotes are on point. I love all the history intercuts, man. That rarely, as much as, as much potential as that has to take me out of the film, uh, and uh, it is more unrestrained here uh, in comparison to something like Black Klansman, where it's mostly just at the end. I, I still really appreciated it. Uh, and, and I mean, fucking- it takes me less out of the film than me like 
watching the scene without that addition and then going to my phone on Wikipedia and be like, yeah. what is this thing that they're talking that's about? A great like it, point. That's a great point because we all have cell phones now and we can just look up this shit anytime. Yes, right? Like, so instead yeah, of taking why not? your focus away from the film, here is a quick, you know, yeah. mini slideshow huh. on what's going on. That's a great point. He's kind of like making it for the, Oh, I don't want to say iPhone generation. I want to bury myself in a hole for even thinking. about <laughs> Oh, come on. Like, <laughs> it, it is a thing, man. I, 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 don't, I don't know. know. I don't. Sorry, well, we all, this, all this, like, millennial on Generation Z stuff, I'm sort of like, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, no, exactly. But, we're, but Sarah, we're also, that's a great point. Like, I do that all the time where I'm watching, like, a movie about, you know, something in the past and they talk about it. And I'm like, is that real? Does that person exist? Did that happen? And, yeah, there's just, like, the And then I end up losing, proof. like, the next five minutes of the film because I fall into a Wikipedia hole. Of right. What which, about which, is, oh, yeah. which is about the Internet and democratization of information and the fact that, like, we learn things now that, like, you know, the government, like, I, I don't want to be, like, put a tin hat on, but the government really like, will suppress certain bad information from history. That's any natural government would do. And it's, it's one of those things where we kind of said, well, no, I mean, it's just they're not going to stand up and be like, yeah, we left landmines all over Vietnam. Don't you guys want to know about <laughs> Right. And that, Vietnam when, like, that's not, was, like, yeah. for me, something that was very quickly talked about in American history class. At least I feel mm-hmm. like. I don't know about my high school. I can't remember. But especially like before then, it was like, and then we went to Vietnam and it didn't work out so well and we left. Like, that's all. Yeah. Of, oh, I love that they, you know, they have the pictures of people shoving the helicopters over the edge of the boats as their uh, the aircraft characters as they're leaving. The fact that we didn't have enough money to budget right. the fuel to carry the fucking helicopters fucking back and you know ken right. burns did a recent thing on it might still be on netflix of just oh, yeah, the last days of vietnam that is just fucking yeah. crazy it just encapsulates and epitomizes how uh, ill thought out fucking everything everything was in terms of like you know just all right it's done it's done come on all right we're yeah. done we, we uh, leave we leave very yeah. quickly america <laughs> we don't stick around yeah once oh, once it's should. like okay we're out bye <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly and, and i i think uh, you know, and, and I think let's also point out that how many people learned about the Tulsa massacre from um, Watchmen. You know, I think there is something about media being, you know, if not pure historian, at least being kind of Watchmen. Watchmen was probably reminder. less effective because, you know, it's Watchmen. So. I assume you're talking about the graphic novel, which I still haven't read, which I need no, to read. No, no, the no, show. no, 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 the show. Yeah, yeah. The, oh, the show on HBO. Oh, the, oh, the new one, the, right. I also know one. I yeah, need yeah, to watch this. Show. All I've seen Not is the, the movie, which is like the worst probably thing of the things yeah, I know. No, the new, so. the, the new the, show the is, is a really continuation good. of the Watchmen comic. It is yeah. not a retelling. I've heard it's great. Comic. I know. I need to. Yeah, It's but. very interesting. And it does start with the Tulsa Race Massacre. And mm-hmm. it is a, you know, very brutal depiction of it. But it is not history. It is trying to set up a, a world. But a lot of people had never heard of the Tulsa Massacre. And, like, it kind of brought it back. And it's kind of been talked about since then. And I think there is an element to, you know, history could kind can be very easily forgotten and and even one good media source kind of depicting it in a dramatic way could kind of bring it back and you know again i think hannah hannah was well known by a lot of people back in the vietnam era but it's kind of been a forgotten piece of you know footnote of history and it is kind of valuable and i kind of want to hear some of those old broadcasts i don't think they Mm -hmm. exist but i'm kind of curious now to go find them and Talking about the black experience of Vietnam and you think like, okay, I've seen so many Vietnam War movies. There's fucking seven of them on the AFI top 100 list. I 
I listened to this podcast yeah. called Unspooled. And uh, by the end, they're like, how many in their whole podcast is like talk about all the movies in the AFI top 100, which is a, a list of that the AFI put out of like the 100 greatest films of all time. And it's kind of like the most famous canonical list, even though it's got lots of problems. And uh, by the end, they were like, how many goddamn Vietnam movies do we need? There's like eight of them. Right. Enough. Stop. <laughs> it was one war. We don't need eight movies, but. It is something we've talked about in media a lot, but very little about the black experience, which is not great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is the biggest look, argument for this film, obviously, right? I look, mean, here, here's where I take on that. I I, I feel like, but I kind of want just a black Vietnam movie. This isn't really. It is it is talking about it, but it's not directly. I I think I would agree with that. I I also think that like it's one of those things where it's like. I, I think I'm ready for perhaps newer Vietnam movies to take an even props, possibly darker tone with some of Vietnam. Like I, there's always like, I don't know. There's darker there, there's, than Kubrick, darker than fucking, uh, well, not dark. Yeah. Let me put it this way. Like I, we've all kind of evolved in, in like with like kind of the Forrest Gump view of Vietnam, right? Which is well, like, I, it depends on who you ask, right? Some people's cinemagraphic impression of Vietnam is going to be Forrest Gump, but some people's are going to be Apocalypse Now. So I, I don't know. I, 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 Apocalypse I, I, Now is like so yeah, it's it's not fairytale. You know? It is yeah, it's a it's a problematic because like with the surfers on the beach, the thing like yeah, it, it is it's subversive, but it's not it's not. It's not that subversive, which is, I think, the uh, thing. It's like, yeah. I think, I think there's like room in the Vietnam quote unquote genre, which I hate myself for saying it the second I said it. Um, I mean, I, Tropic Thunder, if Tropic Thunder succeeds as a parody, the Vietnam War movie is a genre. Like, I, I think that's like, exactly, you know. that's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're, we're I'm correct. We're there. Yeah, it's a genre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My point is, I think there's a lot of room to kind of go back and draw between, like, you know, kind of in a modern setting and recontextualize what the Vietnam War meant and what it was. And I think that's something that we don't particularly see because I think that, I think, like, just culturally, like, it was back and forth for so long that we've kind of come to this sort of acceptance stage of, like, in America where, like, what it is and what it represents. And it's just like, it's nice to see a different view but this is still not the movie it's heading there too it, it, this this has a very dark view of vietnam and that's, that's i mean if you have half a brain you know it was all bullshit that's my personal opinion but well, uh, let's, not, let's not discredit people's intelligence <laughs> like like it's one of those things like you can you can not be informed about something and that's the thing because you just buy like a certain amount of it depends on your media diet and that's mm-hmm. the thing it's like there are there are intelligent kids today who are just fed like all they've seen is tropic thunder like and it's in forest gump and like imagine what your view of vietnam is then it's it's oh. like like, you know what I would love to see, and I, I don't want Aaron Sorkin to write it. I'm just using it as an example, but I would like to see an Aaron Sorkin esque uh, walk and talkie movie. I don't know, man, about the planning of the Vietnam War. I think uh, that I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, I, 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 I can't that There was serious. no plan. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, just by like, the way, if you want a good. Uh, talk about how there was no plan. Watch the Fog of War, the documentary, which is yeah, 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 yeah. That's really good. The uh, the uh, Secretary of State for most of the Vietnam War, and it's uh, wild. The closest we've gotten to this for me is probably Brian Cranston's LBJ. I fucking love that whole portrayal, but that doesn't really doesn't really get into Vietnam. It's more about civil rights, but 
And also him just like scratching his balls through the whole movie. It's yeah. Amazing. Also about him <laughs> shitting on the toilet with the door open, which he was infamous oh, for. Good. Yeah. Good. I'm that's glad that's the, the that's the keynote of that movie. <laughs> yeah. He or like or like the the definition of big dick energy. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> there's that. There's that. Like there's that famous phone call that John Oliver played, which is just him talking about how he needed I need you pants company to make me bigger pants from a massive fucking testicles. <laughs> exactly. They hang down pretty far. So I need you to make kind of like a testicle pocket, yeah, you know, like where wild. the inseam like is. Big in the crotch area. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe like a holster for my penis. <laughs> Sorry. All right, I think we're done. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about LBJ's balls. Then we're yeah, and I'm sure there. It's a good sign. We're done. <laughs> I, I just want to say for the record, I had not one but two hangovers today. <laughs> So oh, yeah, man, I I spent way too much money moving into my apartments. <laughs> I'm not moving in yet, but but yeah. buying moving stuff. Yeah. Yes. Congratulations. Yeah, they did. We did the Bed Bath and Beyond trip, a, a classic. Aww. Oh yeah. Couple you are fully moments. domesticated yeah. now. Yeah. 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 No. We, you, we, the question is, did you guys fight in Bed Bath and Beyond? That's always <laughs> no, the question. Oh, we, we had a good time making fun <laughs> no, of dumb I gadgets. That sounds more. I enjoyed Bed Bath and Beyond more no. than IKEA because there was good riff opportunities, like with the. With the silly gadgets where you can be like, oh, yeah, egg slicer. Yeah. Who wants an egg slicer? You know, it's mm. so fuck you. It's a knife, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> the best part it's was, not about was, being in the store and whether you have a fight. It's when you assemble the things you bought oh, at yeah. the store. That's, <laughs> oh man, that's, that's I, the that is test. true. I dis I disagree. I legitimately lost my mind in Ikea. Because first off, Katie <laughs> Katie worships Ikea at like the altar of Ikea. Like just conceptually, she enjoys the act of going to Ikea. And the closest one to us is three hours away. So she likes, let's just go to Ikea and look at stuff. And I'm like, that's a six oh. hour trip. <laughs> what yeah. the fuck? Did I not want to do something on Saturday? I don't want to go just look at fucking Ikea. And then we're there and we're trapped in all these sections and it's a maze. And I start like, I can just feel the back of my neck tickle. And I'm, I'm just like a crazy person is just like how you doing love can we go to the next section I'm like no <laughs> I'm gonna go wait in the food court and eat meatballs yeah, and I cry never, a little bit Ikea never ends that's the other thing by the time you get you think you're done with Ikea and then you go downstairs yeah. and then yeah. there's the whole knickknack oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's just more knickknacks and then you gotta go out to the wood section and assemble the panels and you inevitably got one and you gotta drive three hours fucking back to get the change out and Katie doesn't go for that trip she just sends you to get the right Panel. Sorry. <laughs> you took a pic you took a picture of the of the bed, but then you didn't take the, the bin number, so you gotta go talk to the information line that's like eight hours long. Yeah. My breathing's literally like raising. I'm like my chest is like actually getting tight, guys. Like, have you heard the IKEA song, Jack? I have. Oh, it's it so is, good. Okay. It is really good. I, I, I have to admit, like Katie, Katie is also one of the these like Zen IKEA persons where she's just like, We just gonna be what we gotta be in IKEA, honey. And I'm like, I I can't. I can't. I can't, guys. Doing our we got we did our whole bedroom in IKEA, and it was it was yeah that was like that was like. So the, you're saying the 500 days of summer scene still carries weight, essentially. Oh like, yeah. Or, yeah. I I always go to the I always go to the, the thing that always shocks me is I always go back to 30 Rock because I, I legitimately do think that like the people who work in IKEA know that it's a stressful situation, and they're like they're like, "Are you okay, sir?" Because I like was in the food court and had my head down on the table like just breathing. <laughs> like, this is the thing that actually happened. I was like in IKEA and I like went to the food court with the big window, sat by the window, put my head down, and like just 
just did deep breathing and like this dude came like three separate ikea employees came over he's are you okay and i was like stop feeling my my negative energy and enjoying it you son of a bitch sorry (laughs) why the fuck am i talking about ikea i don't know <laughs> for me, for me, it's Kellen. It's Target. Target is these like that. Where like by the time we're done with the toy aisle and Target, I want to die. <laughs> like we have, we've been there for two and a half hours, and I'm like, oh my, Cal, God, yeah. how many toys do we have to look at? I need to go home. I'm kind of glad that Toys R Us doesn't exist anymore. It would take a whole day. I'm oh sure. God, yeah. That's that's just like certain trips that you just don't go with your significant. Other. You know, it's like it's like Bed Bath and Be not in Bed Bath and Beyond, but uh, like uh, what is it? Uh, bath and Body Works. I do not go into Bath and Body Works, oh, Katie. Anymore. I haven't been to a Bath and Body Works in so long. <laughs> I know. Well, it's it's one of those things too, where she's like, she's like, do I want these candles? And I'm like, just buy them. Like. 40 bucks does not matter for <laughs> getting out of here. I don't See, the best this. arc I had with Bed Bath Beyond today was that I was like, Claritin makes a pillow? And then I tried it and I was like, Claritin makes good pillows? <laughs> Do they <laughs> help with just, your allergies? Yeah, they're supposed to be non allergenic pillows. <laughs> Sign me the fuck up. Where do I get that? Who the fuck, well, who the fuck knew that? Like, what the fuck? Like, well, who is what? in the Claritin office and is like, gentlemen, I have it. Pillows. <laughs> we're going to crush up it. our little rock pills and we're going to make a pillow out of it. And it's just going <laughs> to, you know, you're, you know, you're going to die of an overdose, but you're going to sleep well. <laughs> God damn it. Your airway won't be open. <laughs> no sniffles. No, yeah. no, no, no. But can you imagine like just waking up and not having congested sinuses or is that just me? Who has I use that? a CPAP machine, so it dries out my sinuses okay. all night, which is wonderful. That is the one advantage of a CPAP. <laughs> I'm not dying to. I but, fucking uh, need a CPAP, according to Katie. And it's one of those things where I've like gone kicking and screaming because I don't. I can't. I can't. No offense to you, Ben. but like, No, no. I understand. Yeah, you, you, it takes a yeah. long. I will probably cut all this out, but it takes a long time. I, to I probably to. agree. <laughs> this yeah. is just us talking uh, post show. <laughs> but we're just waiting for Trevor to come back because he's going to Because he needed to go pee. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I wanted to say it. I feel bad now. Yeah, we should definitely we cut can, all we'll this cut out. We'll cut it out. Uh, It'll but, be fine. <laughs> the, the CPAP thing, it takes forever because for a while you don't feel like you're breathing out. And it's very yeah. unnerving. Mm. And it took me a long time to get used to it. Where now I actually like putting it on. It feels like I can breathe really well. But I it mean, takes it, a it while is, just to train your brain to think you're fine. It essentially, it like gives you oxygen, right? Yeah, it, it, it blows air. So basically right. what, uh, what happens hel- when you yeah. have sleep apnea is like right. your, your your throat closes and you like br- you hold your breath mm-hmm. and you breathe in. So it keeps a, it's called constant pressure air pump, I think is what it is. And mm. it's it just literally pushes the same pressure of air so that your air vein oh, closes. Okay. So it's not like concentrated yeah. oxygen. You don't need a tube. Right. It pulls just air from the room uh, and filters it and gives it um, it, water. It's not it's not unsimilar to like a ventilator, essentially. Like it's just yeah. a very light ventilator, essentially. It's but nothing goes down your throat, right? It's just like no, no, no it's it, on it your nose. Yeah. Down your yeah, it's on your nose. It's just it's just directing it in there and just like and if you, turns you. you pull it off the mask without a tight seal, you'll feel this like huge wave of air pushing against Weird. it. And that's why when you first put it on, you're like. I Whoa. cannot breathe. <laughs> this is anyways. Unpleasant. This is our this is our ramble, Trevor. While you were gone, now we're going to get back into the actual show proper. All right, from IKEA to CPAP machines. <laughs> yeah, I knew y'all would get there. And edit here, Jack. Um, yeah, perfect. Right. 
Okay, so let's uh, give this one a rating. I'm very curious where we're going to land on this one. Uh, let's start with uh, Trevor. This is confused for me uh, because I, I find the history and the polemic of this very effective, but narratively, uh, I feel like the most sentimental moments land kind of flat for me. Um it's a kind of a tonal confusion for me. Like I feel like the score is invoking Vietnam movies, it, it being kind of overwrought and sentimental. And when it comes in at like very sentimental moments, like this reunion with uh, the dude's daughter that he didn't know he had, for instance, that's one of those or like the, I don't really love you son. Cause you killed your mother in childbirth kind of like cliche <laughs> plot character motivation. You know, can we just, let's just stop having those just, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's no, it's fine. It's fine. It just for how cliche it is. It's not, so you know, cliche to the pile. Well, we just had Game of Thrones in the popular culture, which is a whole deconstruction of that entire trope. So it's a kind of unfair coming right after that. But yes, what I am getting at is I find the history of this lesson, uh, the history lesson of this movie, much more compelling than the actual drama interpersonally, character wise, plot driven as kind of a movie going experience. I'm going to give it a 6.5. There's a lot of this of I love a, a lot of moments in here that, you know, I am going to remember and take away from. But as a whole film, it is too long. It is overindulgent and very mixed execution for me tonally um, and in terms of just uh, structure. Yeah. And you can argue that's the Spike Lee style and I might just not like Spike Lee movies. I don't know. I've only seen three. And Black Klansman is still my first uh, or my best and my favorite Um and do the right thing being like I, probably his best, you know, seminal film is uh, up there too. Obviously, it's the only one I've ever seen. But um, yeah, it's a whole other conversation. So 6.5 for this one for me. Alrighty. Let's go, Sarah. Uh, yeah, I, I really have to agree with everything that Trevor said. I really like the, um, the historical bits of the film, getting to learn you know, some of the history of the Vietnam War from a perspective that we might not have been given access to before was really great. But you're right. There was more in this movie than there needed to be. I gave no fucks about, uh, you know, Hetty and the um, barm, barm disarmers. Bomb disarmers. Bomb disarmers. They run around. They did not need to be there. There's no reason for their characters. Um I thought the score was really good, if um, ill-used at certain moments. Um, and I liked the interaction between the four veterans. I thought it was all really interesting and provided, you know, good insight in what it's like to have PTSD, which I know we've seen before. But, uh, you know, as somebody who lives with someone who has PTSD, I think it's a very important topic to be examined and discussed. So it was it's a good it's a good depiction. Yeah. yeah, it was done really well. So I am going to give this film a seven out of ten. And it makes me really want to see more of Spike Lee's work since this was my first time seeing a Spike Lee film. I really liked it. And I am going to go watch Black Klansman. Yes. Yeah. It was a good call. Yeah. All right, Jack. Yeah, I. OK, I'm, I, I 
I, I am very torn about this movie. I think it's a very good movie. I think it's it's coming at like a critical time period, which is always like that's movie production. So we always want movies to be produced faster for like the time period. I kind of wanted Spike Lee. I, I, Spike Lee is going to make something about or I hope he makes something kind of about like these mooches and like, these marches and movements. Like I want him to do a movie in this time period. And this is kind of off the topic from what's happening right now a little bit. So it was sort of like it's like, well, it's important. It's like. It's 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 general in the plight of black Americans right now. So it's well, I think it's the whole point. I'm sorry, I'm cutting in, but like the point is, it's timeless, right? Like it's the same issue. Like, right, it's the same issue. Which I which is he's tried to tie it in at the end there. I think that's a little post editing and kind of different from the movie. It's just one of those things where it's like the movie is too long, and and, and this is the thing too, like. If you asked me what I was going to fix, I'd be like, fuck if I know who the fuck am I to say anything about that? So I, 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 I am very torn about it. I give it a seven. It's there's clearly some editing here that I would do. Like we need to cut some parts. We need we needed to, we, it needed a good slice on the editing room floor. It needed to be cut up and, and driven down and it needed to be like an hour and a half. It, it, it really needed to be that. And I think that's I think that's the core problem that I see. Uh, but but uh, and it's also like, yeah, I think that like marketing and spike lee's name got to me a little bit too in that like i kind of wanted to see a trippy ass spike lee movie talking about vietnam man and uh, and i didn't get it and so yeah i mean based on x i think there's like my negativity about it would be a little bit based on that but it's not really negative because i'm giving it a seven too because i think it's a good thing i don't think it's the best spike lee movie is probably what i'm going to say which is you know whatever the fuck that's worth so all righty uh, Jack, have you been collecting scores? Because I, <laughs> I have. I, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Give me yours, and I'll do the thing. <laughs> All right. Um, I uh, I'm also going to give it a six point five. Like uh, Trevor, Trevor sums it up really, really well. As did all of y'all summed it up really well. Um, like I said, I think it's just this, like it's been saying over and over again. I, I I feel like this. My guess is that this is a mediocre to okay script that Spike Lee got along and changed things up and added up, but still kept the basic mediocre script, which is kind of unfortunate. It just doesn't have that, that, that narrative through line that Chirac and Black Klansman had. I think Chirac had such a brilliant, interesting premise and had such an interesting way of talking about Chicago violence and Black Klansman was such an interesting story and a real life story that actually happened that he, you know, hyper realized and added a lot of elements to, but it all felt a lot more cohesive and 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 still feels his best film he's made in the last decade of I've seen. I should mention I've I've seen about sixty percent of his films. I haven't seen a lot of the ones that people say are misses because I'm not really rushing out to see not as good Spike Lee movies. But uh, hopefully one day a podcast or something will cover his whole uh, his whole filmography because I'll watch them all then. Um, and I would say this is kind of in the B tier range, and even B tier Spike Lee is pretty great. Uh, he is when he is doing his own thing. Uh, I'm very glad that Spike Lee did Old Boy once, and will never <laughs> seem to do that again. <laughs> I don't want to see Spike Lee do franchise movies and remakes of crap. He uh, he is not. He is the last person that needs to. Right. He's he's, he, he's known for breaks. Sorry, I'm cutting in here, but he's known for breaking narrative style and themes. Like he should not ever be. Yeah. Oh, Inside Man is a perfect example where it seems like it's going to be a heist thriller and is about a lot more. And it's still a very right. fun heist thriller, but it's like a lot is going on in that movie. Um, and this is similar. You know, it is not just a Vietnam movie. There's a lot going on in it. 
I just think, unlike Inside Man, the genre elements are not as exciting. I agree with Trevor. The gunfights are not super fun. Never felt a lot of visceral thrills from that. Or, or, or even even not even fun, necessarily, but just, like, dramatic. Uh, that's a better word for it. They just never felt kind of impactful, like he said. Um, and uh, the, the gold hunt wasn't that exciting. They just kind of found it. And the, the, the any kind of genre elements were just kind of mediocre, middle of the road, not that interesting. So because of that... I just wanted to get back to the history lesson and, and we didn't have enough of that. And it wasn't the kind of I wanted one or the other. I needed a better genre movie to hang all this on or I needed no genre at all. And and like I said, just the acid trip, weird psychedelic trip down memory lane that the, the trailer kind of implied it would be. Could you do an acid um, trip with a history lesson? Would that have worked? I don't know. I think you. You've seen I, Drunk History, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. This is kind of true. That is one this of is my true. favorite shows. Uh-huh. This is pretty it great. It is very good. Uh, and uh, and uh, get Spike Lee drunk. I don't know what that would be like. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of people. I don't know if anyone's like, ready for that. <laughs> get get these Hollywood people drunk is usually my thing. Is like I don't actually think that'd be fun. <laughs> like, it might be really. <laughs> it might not make it to air. Um, it's, it's probably right? awful. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. It's unfortunate that I'm giving this six point five because I still think you know Spike Lee six point five is a curve and. Uh, a better film than a lot of what you're going to see. And I'm really glad we saw it and it got into a great conversation, but it's kind of those movies where I'm going to like talking about it more than I liked watching it, you know, and I got to be honest about that. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. Well, so we have two 6.5 and two seven. So that it comes out to a perfect 6.75, which we round up to a seven uh, just because Sounds of good. kind of the previous thing that we set here is we typically round up, but yeah, seven overall. Oh yeah. Woo. This is this is this is an interesting <laughs> one, and I, I'm glad we talked about it. It's it's I know it's a, a difficult uh, politically fraught time, but it still uh, was a interesting film to watch. It not to not too heavy. There's still some still some fun weirdness to be had. Oh yeah, <laughs> they, they we could have done a like thirteen apocalypse right. now. You yeah. know, it's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it was a great break from Bond. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. We did probably yeah. need that. I, I, back I, to Bond. I Movie yeah. game Bondcast. Coming back. Or do we week. want to watch the Will Ferrell Eurovision comedy? Oh, God. What is that? Oh, I saw a trailer for that and I was like, are they doing the Seventh Seal? Is this a Seventh Seal yeah. reference? Is, yeah. Am I, 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 I seeing this right? <laughs> they're from Sweden, so I guess they got to throw it in there, you know? Yeah. Just yeah. A bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, Eurovision. I remember watching Eurovision in Scotland. That was a trip. It's something America just does not understand. Yeah. <laughs> this whole part of the world's hugest thing, and we do not understand what the hell's going mm-hmm. on. All right, guys. Well, for everyone in the Movie Gang podcast, thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll either be back to Bond or, or some other interesting new release. There, there's a few percolating around there. Space Force! Oh, Space God. Force no. is also the Corell's John Stewart movie. You know, there's always old movies that aren't James Bond related we can go to. So we'll figure something out. Wait, I, we got we got to get at least one of those. Uh, we got to get at least to the first of the Roger Moore's because, uh, you know, that one's racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to let Sean talk about Roger Moore. Yeah, we got to get Sean. damn, doing. man. I didn't realize yeah. that man hated him so much. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like talked, he I was on puppy or something. Was like, I, wow. like he, he took a shit in his oatmeal, definitely. I don't, oh. Like Sean eats oatmeal. I don't know why. I don't imagine <laughs> Sean. Sean 
scotch. Shit in the scotch. That, that's <laughs> yeah. a better literism too. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder what Shad eats for breakfast now. I'm very curious. Like, does Probably anyone else with scotch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he can't do that. I don't man. mean to he, say he's an alcoholic. He's just so sophisticated, really. You know. Yeah. It's enough. okay. <laughs> <laughs> not like he's explained to me the health benefits of having a little whiskey every day. It's not like you know he's. At, we've ever had that conversation or anything. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not like that. Everybody's had that conversation. With that. <laughs> he's slowly, you know, fermenting himself, and he'll be preserved forever. Yes, <laughs> he will outlive all of us, though. It's a good. It's a good one to put on the Deadpool. All right. Well, for everyone for listening, thank you for uh, checking us out Deadpool? every week. <laughs> oh, Deadpool used to mean before the comic book character. Like, I, you know, no, you, no, no. I know what Deadpool means. I'm just saying, like, there's a Deadpool on all of us, and I was like, does everybody have money on me? Like, is that a thing? <laughs> oh no, oh no. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably a good bet if, if it's you or early. Andrew, but we didn't because we haven't heard no, of Andrew. So you got, may have been dead. A, a, Andrew could theoretically Andrew's a bad bet because he could theoretically already be dead. <laughs> like, exactly. We, exactly. we just haven't heard from him in three years. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, guys. We got to see if. Uh, you know, bury your gays trope is true in real life. Oh no, Aww. it's true. Yeah, Sarah, don't what be, don't fuck? be cute to <laughs> Sarah's made a lot of dark jokes about that. Be more optimistic. A lot of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Statistically, Sarah, I will die first. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a man and I drink too much. Yeah, as a woman, you also have an up on that. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, that's, and I am younger than you, Jack. So I know. Okay. I, like it's pretty established. I'm I will die first. I'm younger than all of you. Let's. Let, oh my god. But do you have health insurance? Because I don't. <laughs> oh, I do. oh I do. don't say that, Trevor. Why? Neither oh. does Katie. It's cool. Trevor. It's not. But. Yeah. Do you not get health insurance through? through We're working your on it. We're working on it. We're working on it. Okay. <laughs> We're not married yet. Yeah. Well, not you, not you, but like Trevor. Like we're working on. He's not married yet. I'm sorry, I brought this up. Jack's worried about me now. Let's just take it. Sorry. I'm worried about all of you. I didn't know you guys didn't have health insurance. I'm trying to make you feel better. Now you're worried about me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we got to get off. We got to deal with some personal issues. Yeah. Apparently. We got to get our finances in order. Yeah. It's gonna become a finance podcast. I mean, us in America, you know. Well, true. True. Just pay for Cobra during a pandemic. Sorry. I'm done. I'm done. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> all right, y'all. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week.